invite you to turn to the book of Isaiah while you're turning there. We this year are going through the Bible from 30,000 feet, meaning we're doing a flyover of the, the whole Bible, um, taking a book of the Bible, sometimes it may be two books of the Bible as we get into some of the minor prophets and and some of the other books in the Bible, taking a Bible, a book of the Bible a week. And last week we looked at Proverbs, and you say, well, how'd we get from Proverbs to Isaiah? Well, um, schedule-wise, we're rearranging some of these things. We won't be looking at Ecclesiastes because we just last fall did a a study through the book of Ecclesiastes. But we're looking at Isaiah this week, Jeremiah the next week, Lamentations the next week, and then we're coming back and getting Song of Solomon. Some said, ah, yeah, Pastor, you want to avoid Song of Solomon. No, when I get there and preach on it, you may wish I had avoided it, but um, we we will be covering it. But today we're in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is, really, Isaiah is the all-star prophet, if you please. Isaiah is, is what Shakespeare is to English literature and what Beethoven is to classical music. Isaiah is to the prophets. He is a... A, the leading prophet. His book is an interesting book. It is made up of 66 chapters. How many books are in the Bible? 66 books are in the Bible. It's an interesting division. The book of Isaiah. The first 39 chapters basically deal with judgment and condemnation. The Old Testament is made up of 39 books. The 27 chapters that close out the book of Isaiah deal with the prophetic rebuilding. We'll get in and look at some of that this morning in our overview. And uh, the division of Isaiah, very similar to the divisions that make up the Bible, One of the things that is interesting about the book of Isaiah in the late 1940s and early 1950s, a Bedouin shepherd boy threw a rock into a cave and he heard it make an unusual sound, like something broke. Curious, he went in. And found that indeed something did break. And what they found and started finding in years to come in their excavating were the Dead Sea Scrolls. And in the Dead Sea Scrolls preserved were the book of Isaiah exactly as we have it here with very minor differences regarding prophecy regarding the translations, very minor differences in the translations. It's an incredible uh, 
like God again says, you want proof that I'm in control? Here it is. The book of Isaiah is written at a time when Isaiah is ministering to the people of Jerusalem and Judah, and his task was a an ominous task, really. He was to explain to these chosen people that the old world order was passing away and a new world coming controlled by Gentile nations would swallow up Judah and required a renewed commitment to for Israel when they couldn't see necessarily God's hand. It raised many questions for Isaiah to address that these people had at this time. And we mentioned when we went through First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Samuel, that Isaiah was one of the prophets that prophesied during this time. And he sought to, to answer some of the questions that they had. Is God truly the sovereign? Is God truly in control of history? And if so, why do godless nations seem to be stronger and prosper? Does might make right? What is the role of God's people, the children of Israel, in the world? Does divine judgment, where God brings divine judgment, does that mean divine rejection? Are the idols stronger than God because they seem to be winning, therefore they are superior to Him? All of these are questions that... that People that Isaiah was ministering to were questions that they had. And the more you study history, the more you understand things never change. These are many times questions that that we as people may have. It's interesting as you look at the book of Isaiah, quoted very often in the New Testament, there are more than 400 quotations and references, allusions to the book of Isaiah in the New Testament. The only Old Testament book that has more references to it in the New Testament is the book of Psalms. So Isaiah is a very, very prominent book. And and in seeking to answer these questions, God through Isaiah really zeroed in on four main themes. And and these are four that we're going to look at in our flyover of Isaiah here today. Indeed, there are, are many other themes throughout the book. But one of the themes of the book of Isaiah is the holiness of God. Among the different names that Isaiah used for God was one that was the Holy One of Israel. In the book of Isaiah, it appears 28 times. The Holy One of Israel implies and shows that the God of Israel 
is completely separate from evil and that there is there is no hint of evil in him at all. He is completely separate from evil, set apart, holy, and we sang the song, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. You look in the book of Revelation and chapter 4. Again, I mentioned last week, or two weeks ago, a song I didn't like singing. I really didn't like singing Holy, Holy, Holy as a kid either, you know. Holy, holy. And uh, in my carnality and flesh. But you better get used to it because Revelation chapter 4 says, the song that we will sing around the throne, I don't know if it's to this music that we sing, But the words are, holy, 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 Lord God. It's not love, love, love. It's not beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It's not anything else. The number one characteristic of God is his holiness. If he is not holy, if he is not separate from sin, then he is flawed. And Jeremiah, I mean, Isaiah brings out often in this the the word that is that he uses the adjective to describe god is used 33 times not only the name hold, the holy one of israel but to describe god is used often throughout this book because the prophet is emphasizing to these people in major change they are about to be conquered and they are in the midst of being conquered by the assyrians They're losing their identity and knowing the history that is before them. And Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I'm getting ahead of myself. Really not. My brain's just mixed up, okay? Isaiah is continually reminding them, no, God is holy. And throughout this book, he's reminding God is holy He cannot allow sin to go unpunished. You may think this evil, the the evil nations coming in and conquering you, God is just winking at it and allowing it. And Isaiah is reminding them, no, God is a holy God, completely separate from sin. We could do a whole series on it, but we're flying over this book, okay? A second theme of the book of Isaiah is man's rebellion and the judgment of God upon man's rebellion. You notice in Isaiah chapter 1, the book of Isaiah begins and ends with the reminder of man's rebellion. Isaiah chapter 1 and notice verse 2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. He he goes on and he illustrates um, the rebellion. But he says, I have raised up children, and he's speaking of Israel, they have rebelled against me. And throughout this, throughout the book of Isaiah, he, he portrays the rebellion of of the children of Israel toward God. Turn to Isaiah chapter 66, and you notice again, the book ends with 
the reminder again of the rebellion of man. Isaiah 66 and verse 24. And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed or rebelled against me, for their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. They shall be in abhorrence to all flesh. Throughout the book of Isaiah, it brings forth, this is what God did and man rebelled. This is what God did and man rebelled. And throughout history, it's still going on today. We see it happening in our nation. We see it happening in our own personal lives. That by nature, man is rebellious against God. And that rebellion, in turn, God's response to that rebellion, to the sin, is judgment in a purpose to bring people to repentance. God brings judgment not just to punish. God brings judgment to cause people to see that, wow, my rebellion is not only against God, But it's to my own detriment. It is to my own damage. It is not good for me. My sin, my rebellion against God, is not good for me. And so God, in His love and in His mercy, brings judgment to the hope, to the purpose that we would abandon our self-trust And depend on Him. Sin, going away from God, calls for repentance. Repentance is turning around, change of direction, and going back to God and the forgiveness that God offers that only God can offer. So, you will read through the book of Isaiah, the rebellion of man. And Isaiah will say, as in Isaiah 5, Woe to those that call evil good and good evil. And he gives the woe is, there will be judgment coming. And I'm warning you, you call evil good, that's wrong, that's rebellion against God. And you call good evil, that's rebellion against God. And throughout it, the children of Israel rebelled against God. God raised up wicked nations to come in and bring judgment on them and conquer them. And the purpose, as we said, was to bring genuine repentance, a turning back to God. Now, the holiness of God, the rebellion of man, and the judgment of God. But the book of Isaiah is one book that holds forth in it the prophecies of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the earth, the Savior of mankind. Isaiah was a prophet. Imagine with me, if you would, you purchased a a century-year-old home, okay, And you begin to do some remodeling and you and your wife or your husband sit down and plan and and you say, you know, 
we really don't have a dining facility in this area. I think we have the wherewithal, and it fit perfectly that we could build a 30 by 30 addition on here and make a dining room and expand and so on. And you say, that, yeah, that's a good plan. But before we do that, we really need to get some siding on this. So you start tearing off the old siding, and in the midst of tearing off the old siding, you come across an envelope, and you think, what in the world is this? And you open the envelope, and it was written by the man that built the home, and in it, he explained about his building of the home 100 years ago, and in it, you're reading along, and you read that he says, in 2019, and you see your name, will have purchased this home, and they will be building a 30 by 30 dining room addition on this home. You'd probably fall over of a heart attack. You'd say, that's a nice story. No, this is exactly what happened in the book of Isaiah. Not exactly, it's different. In this sense, it's not 100 years, it's 200 years. Isaiah prophesied that there would be a king by the name of Cyrus who would allow the children of Israel to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls, to do what God called them to do. Cyrus called for people to read from the prophecy of Isaiah. Cyrus sat down and read his name in the prophecy of Isaiah that were written 200 years before. Don't you? And we wonder, why did Cyrus do what he did? Wouldn't you have done what he did? If you'd read your name... I mean, going back to the illustration, I would have said, let's get building, man. This, this is of God, you know what I'm That's one example of prophecies that have been fulfilled from the book of Isaiah. But the most important prophecies that the book of Isaiah gives is hundreds of years before Jesus Christ came, Isaiah gave the announcement... Of his coming, uh, we're gonna we're gonna. I think they'll be up here. Five. These are a sampling, but in Isaiah chapter forty, verses three through five, the announcement of Christ's coming. In Isaiah chapter seven, turn there if you would. Isaiah chapter seven and verse fourteen, a very familiar verse that we often only look at during the Christmas season, but. As we're looking at the book of Isaiah, here's another mountain peak prophecy of Isaiah. Therefore, Isaiah 7:14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, this was hundreds of years before Mary, a virgin, conceived And gave birth to a son, and they called his name Emmanuel. He prophesied that Christ would be born of a virgin. 
He prophesied that Jesus Christ would come and proclaim the good news of salvation. Jesus, in Isaiah 61 and verse 1, Jesus himself quoted that in his ministry. He said, I am come to proclaim the good news to all people. Isaiah chapter 53, another pinnacle, mountain peak prophecy. It not only prophesied his rejection, it prophesied his sacrificial death. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes our sins are forgiven. By his stripes we are healed. It also prophesied concerning Jesus Christ in Isaiah 60 that he would return to claim his own, the children of Israel. And again, they're being conquered by the Assyrians. All hope is gone. And Isaiah prophesies to them and he says to them, There is coming a Redeemer, a Savior, who will not only forgive your sins, but He will also fulfill his promises to Israel. Turn to Isaiah chapter 9. This is also a familiar passage. But Isaiah prophesied the eternal rule and glory of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So, here's a prophecy that hasn't been fully fulfilled. A child is born, that's been fulfilled. A son is given, that has been fulfilled. But the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And it says, he will sit upon the throne of David, and over his kingdom he will rule, and of his kingdom there will be no end. That has not been fulfilled yet, but it will be fulfilled. Like every promise of God's Word, like every promise of Isaiah, like every promise and prophecy that God has given there are, are messianic or, or themes of Christ in Isaiah that refer to Jesus Christ as the branch, the stone, a refuge that we can hide, the light, the child, the king, and especially the servant. But the, the message of prophecy is not just the holiness of God and the rebellion of mankind, It then puts these two together in Jesus Christ, the Savior, that came to provide forgiveness for us. The the message of Isaiah, someone has written, may be summarized, the Lord will fulfill his ideal for Israel by purifying his people through judgment 
and then restoring them to a covenantal relationship. He will establish Jerusalem, Zion, as the center of his worldwide kingdom and reconcile once hostile nations to himself. This is prophecy that has been given. So, a holy God, rebellious man, a Savior, but that's not just all of it. It then is total redemption where God fulfills all his promises and reigns and rules over this earth in peace and justice. A number of months ago, we continually went over the four basic themes of, of the Bible that it began, the overall, the first one, help me, the first one was creation, right? Creation, then what? The fall, then redemption, Jesus Christ, and then restoration. The book of Isaiah, it talks about God is holy. He is the beginning and the end. He is the creator. He talks about the fall, the rebellion of man. Isaiah 14, you'll find out where Satan came from, okay? We don't have time to go into that this morning. But the the rebellion of man... And then, unto you a child is given, the redemption through Jesus Christ, and then the restoration that God will reign and rule for a thousand years from Jerusalem. This is the Jerusalem that Netanyahu is in. This is the Jerusalem that the whole world is in turmoil about. This is the Jerusalem that is in our world today, and Jesus Christ is going to reign and rule from Jerusalem. And this is the redemption of all of creation. The goal of the redemption personally in our own lives is not just deliverance from sin's guilt, but it's to be brought to fellowship with God. So Israel is giving a message to the, I mean, Isaiah is giving a message to the Israelites, but it's a message that, that transcends all generations, and it's a message that applies to us that there is a holy God. We, I, am a sinner, but there is a Savior. And there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ for all my sin, And that Savior will someday reign and rule and make everything right. And we take comfort, we take courage, we rejoice in that. Isaiah understood that God is going to fulfill his promises to restore, to rebuild, and to fulfill every promise not only to Israel but every promise to mankind in mercifully providing salvation, in mercifully freeing creation from the curse, 12 inches of rain in two weeks or whatever some had. Why is there all this? Because the whole creation groans and travails in pain until it is set free from the curse 
when Christ comes and sets up his reign and rule. And Isaiah wrote this. God directed Isaiah to write this so that the heart of the people of Israel and we as well would be encouraged. Wow, look at God. God gave a prophecy for Cyrus and he raised him up exactly as he said and it happened. And God gave a prophecy for Jesus Christ and every one of them exactly as it has happened. And God gave prophecies of what's going to happen. Man, I don't see how that's going to happen. Climate change, the whole world's going to end in 12 years. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't care what there is about climate change. But there is guaranteed 1,007 years left of this earth. Seven years of tribulation and 1,000 years of the reign and rule of Jesus Christ. He has to to keep his word. Is, is Jerusalem going to be wiped off the face of the earth? No, it will not be. Because he is going to keep his promises. And our hearts ought to be encouraged to realize, wow, I'm this sinner here. And there was no hope for me. But a child was given. And his name is Emmanuel. And he will save his people from their sins. And it's a gift that I can call upon Jesus Christ and be brought to fellowship with God. And he will shepherd me. And I can rest in his care that he's going to take care of all these things. Does it mean we won't have trials? Absolutely we will have trials. Does it mean we'll avoid any difficult time? No. Read the Bible. Those that are in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But we know that we have a Savior and we can, as we began in Isaiah 12, we can rejoice in the God of my salvation. I can praise the God of my salvation. The book of Isaiah presents our Savior in undeniable detail. He is the only way to heaven. He is the only means of obtaining the grace of God. He is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And Isaiah clearly presents that. Our hearts should be encouraged to know that God is in control. And to know that, wow, we are so much favored to live in this day. We have this history. We know all these things did happen They didn't know that. It was prophecy to them. But we know, and there are still things that are prophecy to us. So my question to you today, is the child that was given your personal Savior, has there been a time that you personally called upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin to be brought back to fellowship with this holy God? And if you are a child of God, are you rejoicing? Are you resting in the promises of God? Are you motivated by the reality of the truth of God's Word that every promise of God's Word will be fulfilled exactly as He said? We may not understand the hows and whys, but we know that God will fulfill everything He said. Isaiah stands as a prophet for 50 years. He prophesied. 
And he gave forth the messages. There's many analogies in, in the book of Isaiah that we can't even touch on this morning. And hopefully in your studies Wednesday night, be able to go through some of those. But the reality is God, the God of Isaiah, is still the God of the world today. He is in control. He has fulfilled every promise thus far. And every promise he has made, he will fulfill. Are you trusting Him today? Heavenly Father, I pray that as we look at this book of Isaiah, Your Word, Lord, I pray that You would accomplish Your purposes in our hearts and lives. Lord, thank You that You are a holy God, that You are completely separate from sin. And Lord, we own our rebellion. I own my rebellion. I was born rebellious by nature against your ways. And in your mercy, you sent your Son. And Lord, thank you for calling me to salvation. And and I pray if there's anyone here today that has never responded to the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, I pray today in simplicity they would just cry out to you, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me. Lord, thank you that you have provided the Savior and have given so many fulfillments of prophecy through the book of Isaiah to prove that Jesus Christ is the Savior. And Lord, thank you for the comfort to know that in a world that is very similar to the world of Isaiah's day in turmoil. That we see evil seeming to abound and triumph. That you are in control. And Lord, I pray that the judgments you may be bringing on us as a nation and even as individuals would bring us to repentance, to turn to you to make you truly the Lord of our lives, and that we would be instruments usable in your hand, I pray. So, Lord, fulfill your purposes in our lives today through these truths as we commit these truths to your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's